We're talking with Paul Hawken, author of Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. Is that, uh, is that, that make people's eyebrows go up when you, when you recount that title? I hope so. <laughs> well, it's, you, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the press uh, materials, and it says when people see what climate change is doing to the earth, they feel overwhelmed, anxious, confused. Anyway, I, I think that's a good point. How do you combat that? Well, uh, interesting you use the word combat because one of the problems with the, how we language climate change is war and sports metaphors. In other words, we're going to fight, tackle, combat, you know, uh, and that just shows you who is creating that language. That is to say, which gender, uh -huh. um, you know, and it, it doesn't work because what we're doing is we're othering it. We're making it something else separate from us. And uh, we're going to go beat it, fight it, fix it, you know, combat it, whatever. And this language is one of the one of the reasons, many reasons, you know, that people feel detached or uninvolved uh, from the what we face, which is a warming world and that has profound effects on weather, the jet streams, ocean currents, rainfall, um, cyclonic and hurricane disturbances, crops, crop failure, migration. I mean, it goes on and on. And then people are talking about like they're a knight with a armor and they're going to go fight it. You know, we're supposed <laughs> to join the fight. And instead of really saying, you know, this is us, the earth is giving us, basically is homeschooling us. The climate is perfect because it's responding to basically the biosphere. The biosphere and the atmosphere are actually the same thing. One is gaseous, one is solid, but they're inextricably uh, integrated in one thing, and we just have different names for them. And that the problem isn't nature. Nature never makes a mistake. It's we are making the mistake. And so we live in a world that's very divisive and it's full of language like that, which further divides us and others. The Me Too movement was othering. I mean, anti-Semitism is othering, racism is othering, and we're othering the greatest crisis humanity has ever faced and may ever face. So yeah, so much for combating. <laughs> Good point. Well, you give me a whole new subject there. But uh... Paul, we're talking about uh, you know what people can do, and yes, I know exactly in that regard. Let me ask you this before we get into that: COVID, which yes. of course is is so pervasive and and is so still with us, not 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 to look in the rearview mirror at all. No, how has that impacted the move um, to to bring change? That's a very good question. I think there's a lot of people look at it two ways. One is that the world did have to slow down and you know you had basically kangaroos, you know, strolling down the main street in Adelaide, you know, and bears coming into town. You had you know, the animals felt like, Hey, sure. you know, we got more space now. And um and so that was kind of delightful in that sense. I don't mean to say delight on the face of so much suffering that has been caused by it. Um, and also people found out they could do a lot of what they do every day without, you know, commuting 60 miles in each direction and stuff like that. 
And so there was a reduction in terms of overall impact, you know, hum, human impact. So uh, in some ways it illustrated a better way of doing things. You know, we have empty skyscrapers in New York that may never actually fill up again. You know, uh, we didn't need all that infrastructure. We didn't need to organize ourselves in the way we have done so. But um, I, I think, I think the deeper implications of COVID are still to be um, determined. And one thing we discovered is, you know, I was listening to a broadcast today in Chicago, and a woman was saying, you. Know, six members of this person's family died because they're afraid of vaccines, you know? So you have this very interesting thing about science, pro-science, anti-science, or just pure, uh, pure igno ignorance, you know? Um, and uh, social responsibility because being vaccinated is actually a kindness to other people, not just to yourself or family. So I don't know what the lesson is, what the teaching is from that yet. Uh, I don't know. In in that regard, and not to dwell on the vaccine and, and the, that whole issue, because it's a huge one, but if people aren't willing to accept science or mm -hmm. the, 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 re, the common sense, whatever way you want to put it, then one wonders about making the adjustments, the changes that will affect climate change. Because... They, they're going to stay in their cars. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. I mean, I'm sounding, you know, the, the devil's advocate here, but uh, is that worry you or, or is it just a matter of, as you say, kind of keeping on and, and letting people understand? Well, I think the, um, the way that the language about climate uh, has been future existential threat from the beginning, even the nine presidential candidates in the Democratic Party when they had climate up in front of one of the debates and I was watching it and I was like, check, check, check. I mean, every single candidate used that term. And the fact is that the human brain doesn't respond to future existential threat. It responds to current existential threat and your ancestors, you're here because your ancestors did that really, really well, you know, and all the way back for thousands and thousands of years, you know, whether it's food or cold or threat, you know, war, whatever it is, that's why you're here. And so the idea that somehow we're going to get everybody, you know, inspired by future existential threat was kind of a, a fairly, you know, it's it was unrealistic mm -hmm. to be kind. And so the people, the reason 98, 99% of people are disengaged, and that is true, Steve. I mean, it is an astonishing number given that, given that this is the greatest uh, crisis that uh, civilization has ever faced and may ever face for all we know. But uh, given that, and you have that level of disengagement, you have to wonder, are they all stupid? Or did we really screw up in terms of how we're communicating to each other? And to me, it's the latter. Uh, I don't think it's the first. And one of the things is that we have communicated the solutions in a way that are much more about guilt or obligation or 
you know, fear uh, and, and almost like blame if you don't do it or this or that. I mean, these are not inspiring motivators. And uh, instead of looking at the climate solutions and in the website, regeneration.org, it's the largest, uh, the world's largest listing and network of solutions um, and how to do them and how to do them. And the fact is, if the what we do doesn't benefit us as opposed to obligate us, if it doesn't benefit us, we won't do it. Um, because most people in the world wake up about current existential threat, especially the four and a half billion people who make $10 a day or less, and they're poor. I mean, not poor people, but they live in poverty. And their threats are daily, ubiquitous, and constant. And we're expecting them to do something about global warming. But the fact is that when we look at those solutions that are listed in the nexus section of regeneration.org, um, the, the, they have cascading benefits for the world. I mean, even if we didn't even understand what was going on in terms of weather, in terms of global warming, in terms of climatology, that we were clueless as to extreme weather, we would want to do these solutions because they have multiple benefits for people, for children, for health, for water, for food, for nutrition, for health, for meaningful, dignified work that gives people a sense of purpose. This is what the solutions to reversing global warming offer. So rather than seeing it as a curse, we should see it as an opening. Rather than seeing it as an ending, we should see it as a beginning of a very different world in which we relate to each other differently, to nature differently, and we try to you know, sort of reconnect nature to itself because we've had fragmented habitat, we've acidified the oceans, we've destroyed uh, many species, caused their extinction. We're doing that with insects right now. And the fact is the way you heal a system, whether it's the immune system or an ecosystem or a social system, is to connect it more of it to itself. We know this, this is good science, not, not my speculation. And that's what regeneration is about, is like looking at these profoundest connections and can we basically start to reconnect these broken strands that we have sundered by having a degenerative economy it may be producing a lot of capital and money but the fact is if we look and sort of follow the breadcrumb trail into any um, supply chain in the world we find that we are taking life destroying life and that is degeneration and that road we can see the end of that road. I mean, that's what the headlines are telling us, right? Like, you know, yeah. you keep wanting to go there, you don't want to go there anymore. Oh. And so regeneration is about a 180. We're talking with Paul Hawken, author of Regeneration, Ending the Climate Change in One Generation. Paul, um, who, who are some of the heroes? Are they companies? Are they governments uh, that you can point to that are helping in this regard? That's a great question. The, the heroes are largely unknown and unseen by, you know, there's people who rise to prominence, you know, obviously in this area. Um, I 
think they're heroes too, but they're not heroes that we can emulate or connect to very well. Again, I go to the website, regeneration.org and the Nexus, and there we have the how-to for every single solution that we know of. And um, what we have is an area called influence and support. Um, and they have a listing and links to all the great people and organizations around the world specifically uh, who are enacting and very good actually, excellent at you know, stopping the clear cutting of the boreal forest or, you know, restoring degraded land or, you know, um, there's so many different solutions that are happening in the world that we don't really know about. You know, we don't think about fire ecology. We think about fire. Mm -hmm. um, but there's amazing understanding wisdom holders in Australia and other dry areas of the world, that being the West, of course, uh, in the United States, who understand very well how to do that. That is a solution. It brings up more abundance and causes less destruction, uh, or if, if, if any at all. And so there's this amazing network out there, Steve. I mean, regeneration is a burgeoning movement. I mean, the CEO of Nestle, you know, has taken a company that is the biggest food company in the world. And four days ago, they announced that their corporate goal is generation regeneration and uh, very similar to the title of my book <laughs> yeah. i mean i know them i've worked with them and maybe inspired them maybe didn't i don't care the point is that they're pointing in the same direction and they have a million farmers that's their supply chain and they looked at their carbon emissions and said how can we reach net zero by 2040 and they said the only way we can do it basically is to look at 60% of the cause of their emissions and that is their supply chain, those 1 million farmers. And so I, I, I don't want to give the impression that this is sort of a, you know, a, a small little movement somewhere. Uh, it is not. And it's, does it, the fact that it hasn't risen to the headlines or the Washington Post or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, it is happening. And it, it, I, I can't, I've never seen anything grow in my 40 years or more involvement with so-called sustainability, environmentalism, et cetera, um, grow, move, uh, expand, emerge so quickly as the movement towards regenerate life on Earth. Let's give that uh, website again, Paul. We're talking with Paul Hawken of Regeneration Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. Yes. And that is regeneration.org? That's correct, Steve, yes. Okay, because that's, uh, that's a good starting point because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the, the one thing you'd like to get across to somebody listening is don't get anxious or, or worried or feel like you can't do anything, look at it, as you said, flip it over and look at the benefit side because you've just enumerated a number of them and people aren't really always aware of that. That's right. I mean, we're seeing the ending of whole sorts of things right now and you can mourn the ending or you can see the beginning because every beginning is preceded by an ending. 
and um, the fact is that um, you know, I mean, the way to look at it is that the nature never makes a mistake. We're being homeschooled by the earth, and these are <laughs> lesson plan number one: is to get in alignment with each other in biology. You know, because uh, what we're doing isn't working, and uh, and there. The science is impeccable, it's amazing. But if we wallow in the science and the predictions of the future, what kind of life is that? What do we do? We feel bad about ourselves. We feel like we're the object that's happening to us. Instead of saying, wait a minute, this is happening for us. This is for us. Yeah, that means change. But change is what causes us to grow uh, to feel good about ourselves, to do something that has meaning. If regenerating life on earth, and I mean life in the cities and in the inner cities, and I mean on all levels of life, not just in the forest, if regenerating life on earth doesn't give meaning to your life, then I can't think of what else would. And why are we here right now at this inflection point where the very future of civilization is in question if our role in isn't to reverse that? And that's what mean, ending the climate crisis means that by 2030, we'll be going in the right direction at the speed we need to go in order to reverse global warming. Paul Hawken, we, we thank you so much. Uh, your your uh, job, I guess we could say, your, your yeah. goal uh, to guide us in this movement uh, with the book is Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. Uh, a note of hope. Uh, and I, I don't mean to say like it's a one voice in a... In a out of the out of the uh, the masses but uh it's something we need to hear and, and we appreciate it so much hey steve thank you so much and okay. i would say the hope comes from so many tens and thousands of beautiful human beings out there very good thank you paul okay thanks steve yeah take care